Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is session two of Special Topics, a subset of my new weekly podcast about subjects like stress management and spiritual warfare. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma, for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. In this special episode, we will consider thankfulness for trials, grief, difficulties, and testing. That's a hard subject, but it's worth examining because of the joy that can result. But let's begin by taking a moment to consider what you are thankful for. Is it your children, a faithful spouse, a nice home, a car to drive, good health? Wonderful, that's scriptural. But what if you could get to the place where you offered to God thanksgiving that was actually a sacrifice. Take, for example, the scripture in Leviticus 7, verses 11 and 12, explaining to the Jewish people how they could offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It says, These are the regulations for the fellowship offering anyone may present to the Lord. If they offer it as an expression of thankfulness, then along with this thank offering, they are to offer thick cloves made without yeast, and it goes along and gives the rest of the regulations. But the picture is of people who may not be wealthy offering something that they could have used and that they will miss having to do without and giving it to God as a symbol of their thanks. David had a chief musician whose name was Asaph, and in Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15, and also 23, he writes about thank offerings. He says, Sacrifice thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me, and to the blameless I will show my salvation. Psalm 116, 17, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. A sacrifice. Go to the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 15. And we see him talking about a sacrifice of praise, which isn't exactly the same as thanksgiving because it's acknowledging who God is, even when it's difficult, but in the Amplified, we get the sense that this is out of a thankful heart. Through him, therefore, let us at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that, and here we go, thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. A good example of that in a story in the Old Testament is the life of Jonah. You might remember that Jonah was a minor prophet, and there is a four-chapter book at the end of the Old Testament named after him. He's also mentioned in 2 Kings 14, 23-5. He was from the small town of Gath-Hefer, just to the west of the Sea of Galilee, a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel around 760 B.C., And God called him 
to go and preach to the wicked city of Nineveh, the capital of the Israelites' enemies, the Assyrians, and proclaim that God was getting ready to pronounce judgment on them. But Jonah feared that the Ninevites might repent, and he didn't want them to experience God's mercy. So instead of traveling that 550 miles up to Nineveh immediately, he went almost due west instead of northeast, got into a ship leaving from the seaside town of Joppa, and headed across the Mediterranean Sea towards what is now modern-day Spain, the city of Tarshish. Well, you probably remember that God sent a terrible storm, and the ship almost wrecked, and the mariners, in their fear, finally agreed to toss Jonah overboard to save their own lives after they discovered from talking to Jonah that this came about as a punishment on him. Then God prepared a great fish, the scripture says, which may have been a whale, to swallow Jonah, and he was alive in the gut of that animal for three days and three nights. So then we get to Jonah chapter 2, and Jonah has thought things through over those miserable three days and three nights in the slime and with nothing to eat or drink and the thick darkness and the fear. And he prays, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. He goes on to describe some of his suffering. In verse 5, he says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. But it's interesting, when you get to verse 9, he says, But I with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What would he have to thank God for in that circumstance? He nearly drowned. He was scared to death. He was completely miserable. And if he did get delivered from that circumstance, he was going to have to do the difficult job of traveling 550 miles to preach to a group of people that he hated. I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Right after he prayed that, the fish vomited Jonah out on the shore. He did go and preach to the Ninevites. They did repent, and God showed them mercy for another hundred years or so. The point is, he thanked God when he didn't feel like it. Same thing in Psalm 69. Psalm 69's author may have been David. Maybe it was Hezekiah. Maybe it was Jeremiah. It's a long psalm, but it starts out, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. That kind of sounds like what Jonah was saying, except now it's symbolic. He says, I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. He goes on. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. So Jonah was in his circumstance because he disobeyed God. But the writer of Psalm 69 is apparently a victim, an innocent victim. You get down to verse 19 and he says to God, you know my reproach. 
and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. But when you get to verse 30, it gets extra interesting in the light of what we're talking about. He says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Why? You just said you were in despair. You said you had no comforters. You said they gave you poison for food. Why would you be thanking God in this circumstance? Maybe praise him. Maybe say, God, you're worthy no matter what. You're the God of all the universe, the one that was, is, and will be. But what is there to thank him about? Verse 31, this will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they'll be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. So he's saying here, a good result will come from me esteeming God and what he is doing in my life, even though it's difficult and I'm suffering. Go to the New Testament. Now we have Jesus at the Last Supper, celebrating the Passover with his disciples, knowing that he's getting ready to go to Gethsemane. He's going to be arrested and he's going to go to the cross. Luke 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And now here we go, verse 17. After taking the cup, you know, the cup of wine, because now he's going to institute the ordinance of communion, or what some call the Holy Eucharist, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. He's not just thanking God for food at a meal. He is showing them this wine and saying, this is my blood. He knows that he is getting ready to shed his very blood. He's going to be nailed to a cross. He's going to be beaten. He's going to wear a crown of thorns. How could he thank God for that? Verse 18, for I tell you, I won't drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, now it's the bread, here we go again, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. How could he, anticipating the horrible torture that would break his body, hold that bread up and thank his heavenly father for it before he passed it around to the people? The answer is simple. It was going to be worth it to go through that because God would bring something good from it. Paul talks about that incident in 1 Corinthians 11. He says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So we have three examples, Jonah and the writer of Psalm 69 and Jesus Christ himself, people who were going through very difficult times, and their response was to thank God not just thanking God in the midst of the trial, but actually for the trial. 
James 1, 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you see there that once again we have something difficult, trials and the testing of your faith, producing something good that makes it worth it? So that's why we're joyful. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Excellent modern-day example of this very principle is recounted in the book The Hiding Place, the classic that was written by the Dutch woman Corrie Ten Boom. She lived from 1892 to 1983, and she was in a German concentration camp with her sister Betsy for being a part of the underground that saved Jews that were being arrested in her hometown there in the Netherlands. Her father only survived in the concentration camp for a couple of weeks before he died. She and her sister were in their 50s, and her sister had pernicious anemia, so her health was poor and she wasn't well. They get to the infamous Ravensbrück concentration camp in northern Germany, and the women are required to sleep hundreds at a time on these platforms that are stacked three deep and spread with rancid straw that was full of fleas. So when they get there, Corey is complaining to her sister, how are we going to do this? Betsy answers Corey, the scripture that we read this morning will tell us how to do that. So they start going back to the little Bible that they've smuggled in, a passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 18. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, and here we go. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So Betsy encourages Corey to thank God for the misery that they're going through there and for the things that they can count as blessings while they're there. So they start out and they thank God that they're there together and that they have a Bible with them and that it's crowded. Betsy explains to Corey, well, because it's crowded, a lot more people will hear when we share Christ. So Corey could see that and she thanked God for that. But then Betsy went on to thank God for the fleas. And Corey was astonished. She said, there's no way God can make me grateful for a flea. But Betsy corrects her. The scripture we just read says, give thanks in all circumstances, not just in pleasant ones. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so they stood there and they gave thanks for the fleas. Well, it turned out, they found out later that the guards specifically avoided that barracks because they didn't want to be bitten by fleas. And it gave them much more freedom and opportunity to share Christ and read the word and pray with people as a result. So Betsy bowing her head and thanking God 
for those miserable fleas was actually right on target and according to the will of God. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't just say, and in the midst of difficult circumstances, thank God. It says to thank him for everything. That might mean physical difficulties. Are you sick? Do you have a chronic condition? What about financial strain? What about suffering persecution or something unfair happening to you in your neighborhood or at work or even in the family? Or what if you've lost someone dear to you and you're grieving? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So what if you could ramp up your thanksgiving this season another notch from just thanking God for the things that are pleasant and the things that are obviously so loving and wonderful, your friends, or thanking him because it's a beautiful sunny day or because you have strength and you feel good today, that's pleasing to him. But it's also pleasing to him if you can recognize that nothing comes to you that hasn't been filtered by him. And that means he can use it all for your good and his honor. Try it. It really works. And it's a measure of spiritual maturity. Thank you, Lord, for everything you have done for me. If this has helped you, pass it along. Blessings. 